There's something beautiful about the emotion we call love. I'm on a mission to find out more about how it affects every being. It all starts with perception. What if our perception of the world and its many inhabitants expanded? Every person has a different vantage point. When we truly know a soul, we find knowledge. Asking questions with an open mind is how we learn how to relate to one another. When we identify with someone beyond the surface level, we fear less and love more. We're all teachers. Every person on this planet has something impactful to share. This podcast is about expanding my vision and illuminating the threads that bind us together as a community. Simply put, This podcast is about the lessons in love I learn along the way in my journey of finding my true self. Welcome to Unified Threads. Story of the Ypsilanti Landing In early 2014, I ran into April Helen at a bar. I was sitting there with some friends from my leadership class, thinking, what am I doing here? I don't smoke cigarettes, and at this particular bar, it was extremely notorious for being smoky. I saw April Helen across the way with a mutual friend. Her and I first met at an event I worked at as the volunteer coordinator at back in 2009. The event was called The Chain Off, My Life as a Dog Challenge, and the point was to raise awareness about what happens when beings are deprived of human contact specifically dogs living their lives out on chains. People were chained to dog houses living in silence for a week, and they were all competing for an energy-efficient vehicle. This event taught me a lot about people management and what we're capable of overcoming when it comes to sleep deprivation. It was seven days straight of volunteer coordination nonstop. April Holland was one of the contestants. We lived in the same district for a while after the event and would see each other on the street, but never really exchanged more words than a hello, how are you, good to see you again. I hadn't seen her in years, and last time I heard, she was teaching yoga overseas. I sent a Amy says hello message through our mutual friend, thinking she probably wouldn't remember me. Next thing you know, she was sitting down next to me at the bar on a bar stool and asked out loud what I was thinking. What are either one of us doing here? We both know we have a purpose on this planet, and being here is not that. After I told her some about how I'd been feeling lately, she asked me if I've ever thought about putting my stuff in storage and traveling for a year. For those of you that missed the first episode, what I was talking about is that following the May 20th and May 31st, 2013 tornadoes, I felt like I needed to be doing more to help on a larger scale after seeing the response efforts. But then I realized I really needed to be helping myself. Anyway, she asked if I would be willing to potentially travel with her for a year. She was talking about going to California to possibly campaign for Marion Williamson. I'd responded, you know what? I hadn't even thought of putting my stuff in storage. I mean, I guess I could, I could consider it. 
Now, going to California to campaign for Marion Williamson was not the path for me. However, the window she opened was one where I suddenly realized that what she suggested is an option on the table. I spent several months contemplating this and overcoming the what-if fear. What if I never find another good job like this? What will people think if I tell them that I'm going to travel? What about my animals? What will people think if I have to leave them with someone? I mean, obviously, I will. I have two dogs and two cats. I can't take them. What would I do? One day, I woke up with a very clear directive in my head. It was decided that I was only hurting myself more by holding on for dear life to my job, my status, if you will, like I had been doing. Yeah, I had a great place to live, lots of amazing friends, and a dream job. But at the end of the day, none of this was helping me get anywhere closer to getting to know my true self. And even though I was afraid, still, of what would happen to my professional status, considering my lack of a college degree, I put in my resignation at the Humane Society in September of 2014, giving them six months to decide how they wanted to go about replacing me and redistributing the responsibilities I've absorbed over the last seven years. Europe, but didn't feel like I could do it while working. I remember back in the day on my MySpace page, one of my dreams was to backpack across Europe before I was 24. I realized that I'd gone a little beyond that age, but you know, it's not too late, never too late. And it really wasn't. I mean, I'm only a year older than my goals, so I think I'm doing pretty good. This idea then expanded to me feeling like I need to learn as much as I could about the world so I could make a bigger impact. Again, tying back to some of the, I wouldn't necessarily call it PTSD type experience, but just overwhelming, overwhelming amount of support that came following the more tornado that triggered this feeling in me. Of course, rehoming my four, four kids was out of the question. And I remember talking to my mom one day about on the verge of having an emotional breakdown while feeling lost in the sea of not knowing who I was beyond the Oklahoma Humane Society girl and not being sure of what to do next.
but I really felt like I was supposed to travel. She suggested that I let the fur kids stay with her, which is definitely not something that I would have asked her on my own. So thank you, Mom, for making this entire trip possible, for keeping Bluebonnet, Olivia, and Kirby, and also thank you to April and Central Park Dog Daycare for keeping Yeti. If it wasn't for you guys, there's no way I'd be doing this. <laughs> I just saw this post on Facebook from Bearcat. It's from I'm Not Spiritual. I just practice being a good person's page. And it says, being a person is getting too complicated. Time to be a unicorn. That cracks me up. We're going to talk about symbolism with unicorns. I'm going to talk about symbolism with unicorns in one of the takeaway in between episodes. So stay tuned for that because there are unicorns all over the UK. Peace and love. Namaste. Now I had a trip booked in October to see my parents. And I decided that this trip would help me decide if me moving there to prepare to take an overseas journey and leave the kids with them, which these are my fur kids, by the way. I don't have any human kids. But yes, if leaving the fur kids with them is what I was really supposed to do. So I flew out to Michigan, talked to my parents, and kind of looked around the house a little bit to see if this was going to be something that was feasible and then decided to wander around Ipsy for the first time ever. I'd always gone out to Ann Arbor or somewhere else, or even just stayed at home whenever I visited, thinking there was not much to do in the little town that was that is Ypsilanti. I took out a bike from the garage and decided to pedal down the street, basically asking the universe for a sign. Something telling me that selling the majority of my stuff, giving up the lease on my super trendy place I lived in with my animals, and moving all of us across country so I could get to know myself and my mom again as an adult and dad, then leaving my animals in my mom's care while I traveled the world would be the right decision to make. While biking down a street that I later found out was called Cross Street, I saw some triangles in a shop window across the way, a shape which I've always had a fascination with. I passed this shop at first, then felt like I needed to go back and check it out. Little did I know, wandering into that shop, that I'd walked into a rabbit hole disguised as a glass shop with all locally made products and colorful art. There's lots of cool stuff, plenty to keep the eyes busy. But once I looked over the counter, my eyes met one of the most beautiful creatures I've ever encountered. A mouse lion, as Bearcat calls her, with long red hair. One with so much knowledge. She told me how she landed in Ipsy. She felt like she'd wandered through a wardrobe into Narnia while working a job there and knew she needed to move to Ypsilanti. That was about a year and a half before her and I met, and she's done a huge amount of personal growth since landing there. She's still going through that process. I found out her name is Carissa, and we talked for what we felt like days. I have no clue how long it really was, a few hours maybe. She reawakened my childhood love for stones, crystals, the patterns in nature, 
told me about people who believe fairies are real, shared her thoughts on cats being like little kids reincarnated, and we speculated about chemtrails and all other kinds of conspiracy theories. She showed me the crystals in her shop, shared with me some of her favorite ones and the metaphysical properties they're said to contain. We talked about hairspray and red dye 40 and the terror we're putting animals through whenever we continue to not think about factory farming and eat the meat anyway. Now I worked in animal welfare for seven plus years and always said, I wish I was a vegetarian, but I haven't been able to get there yet. I can only do so much and I'm focusing on the dogs and cats first. Even though I knew better the whole time, I knew that it was not good for me to be ingesting meat. I just kept giving myself excuses. I don't know why it didn't click before this point, but something about the way Carissa framed it, she hit the nail on the head when it comes to this sense gratification silliness. I haven't eaten meat since my first conversation with her, and I've had no desire ever since. During our conversation, I told her about some of the monks that I'd heard about that supposedly meditate 20 hours a day cliffside. I think I saw them in a documentary or on TV, and they said that they believe that they are in a spiritual warfare for this planet. She said something the three seconds following this statement that has been ringing in my ears ever since. What if they're calling for help? Maybe that's why we feel this way. good memories from this summer with Carissa. She taught me about direct paths, (laughs) how to longboard, took me to Wonderland, hi Bearcat, my very first Saturday in town, helped me meet a number of fantastic Ypsilantians, put crystals in my hands when I was feeling anxious at her apartment around some of her crew. These memories will always be ones that I cherish. Chris is an incredible beacon of light, and I hope to keep rising in love and learning with her for many years to come. So thanks, Carissa, for inspiring me to find the bravery to follow the leap of faith and find the flow to Ypsilantia. That makes no sense what I just said, but I do want you to know that you helped me to find the dimension of being a wanderer and embrace it. You always bring the logic to the table and remind me that logic is truly as important as the knowing. I'm grateful for the moments that we shared in Deep Oton together. The night sitting in the field under the stars, you telling me that I needed to be safe, take care of myself, get enough sleep. I know how concerned you are about the amount of sleep that I get. You help me to remember simply being who I am is enough. I don't need makeup, brands, other facades to hide behind. Being genuine and providing service to the planet is enough. Namaste. And I love you. When the night has fallen faster
Schroeds and Kay Ray in Ypsilanti, Michigan, in the Triangle House. What would you call this house? The Palace. The Palace, because it has rooms that are like little. Yeah, it's pyramids. huge. It's like eighteen hundred square feet. So, you know, it's pretty palatial <laughs> for Ipsy apartments, I guess. <laughs> well, it does have these amazing triangle-shaped little cubby holes that are like being in a pyramid. Yeah, everyone's always called them pyramids, too. It's sort of like the pyramid house. They're, I don't know. I think they send energy somehow, I think. What happens up here goes out into the universe. I believe I believe it. I believe everything that happens in Ypsilanti goes out into the universe. <laughs> yeah. Ypsilanti has been a really fun place to spend the summer. And we met through a friend who is the one that kind of helped me to get acclimated in. Not just kind of. She did help me get acclimated into Ypsilanti and did a lot to introduce me to people. Yeah, well, Carissa is sort of the unofficial chamber of commerce. Her store, Good Vibes Glass Shop in Depot Town, is right near the bridge. So if you're in Ypsilanti, you're probably at the parks because they're beautiful, unless it's wintertime. Then you're probably in Depot Town because it's still really cute. 
And you probably, if you're kind of heady or on in any way here, notice her shop because it's not normal. It's not commercialized. It's not a chain. It's just, you know, some people with some art supplies on the window making it, uh, you know, a sign so people can see it's a tiny little shop. Everyone comes to her first. So she's kind of the center and director of, you know, the heady (laughs) kids, and she sends the ones that don't fit packing. (laughs) Oh, that's a... I love that description of her. Yeah, and we were talking for, like, two hours one day, and she, like, helped wake up all these inner child imaginative storylines that I kind of had going from when I was a kid about crystals and not that they're imaginary but I had just forgotten you know I would forgotten that I loved stones and mm-hmm. crystals and rocks so much and nature and being around trees and how just a simple shape of a leaf can like blow your mind and that's what's really cool about being in Ypsilanti for the beginning portion of the sabbatical is I feel like I didn't have to go to India to have a spiritual sabbatical <laughs> 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 started it here I mean pretty crazy totally the uh when you said about the leaves kind of blowing your mind i think that's sacred geometry i think that's like the um sophagio frequency of certain sounds too are uh, it's a fractal uh and it's uh, perfectly proportioned and i think there's something kind of sacred like that going on in ipsy like carissa i think she's tapped right into the akashic records and if you just listen to her you're going to learn amazing things (laughs) and i think we've got all these copper top towers here that are positioned just right and some we've got a lot of towers that also don't have copper and many that do but towers are monoliths and they kind of radiate energy and if you know anything about energy there's things called cloud busters and there's some scientists from um you know century ago called uh wilhelm reich and then William Rife, they kind of sound the same, but they sort of did the same thing, uh, figuring it, well, not all the same thing, but figuring out a lot of important stuff about how we can actually control weather, making things called cloud busters with copper and water sitting out in the yard. And I think our towers actually steer the storms, the bad ones, away from us. And we made some uh, organite, which is these... Uh, we did it out of natural materials. Uh, it's usually done with epoxy. I don't know why anyone would want to smell that. <laughs> but uh, we did it out of sap and uh, precious gemstones and silver, and we just made a pyramid. And certain shapes um, attract the right energy and repel negative energy, and I think we got something special going on here in Ipsy. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Ipsy, how did you land here? Well, um, I was living in, uh, in, in Oregon, in, near the Portland area, in Oregon City, Oregon, actually, where the hacky sack was invented. Many people don't know that. Anyway, I did start hacky sacking there, and I loved my life there. I went hiking all the time. But then um, that really big earthquake, the 9.0, on March 11th of 2011 happened over in Japan and sent that huge tsunami in. And all of it messed up that nuclear power plant. And, of course, like 20,000 people died and the whole area was decimated. But it also, um, there was probably full three or four meltdowns of nuclear reactors there, uh, releasing some of the worst chemicals known to mankind, the worst isotopes, uh, sputed all over the place, especially since Reactor 3 of Fukushima was MOX fuel, which is... Uh, basically what they make nuclear weapons with, and it's really nasty, like, byproducts 
of plutonium and uranium and strontium and americium, stuff like that. Well, it exploded, and I was on the west coast of the USA. Within three days, we had the weirdest rain. And within a few months, all of our foliage had turned really scary shades of bright white, bright green, fluorescent yellow. Or it had died, like all the ferns just dropped dead. Or uh, somehow, I don't know if it was, it was probably because it was still falling, because it's never stopped. Fukushima's been releasing at least 300 tons of radioactive waste into the Pacific Ocean daily, and that's why the Pacific Ocean is dead. But anyway, all the foliage all over the Portland metro area was all like got all these spots on it like it looked like it was being burned by the rain and some of my farmers they knew it was going on too they said they thought they were getting boils from it and the UC Berkeley tested 18,000 percent more cesium in the rainwater than normal right afterwards and Canada moved their testing station inland and everyone they made they made UC Berkeley stop testing so it all got hush 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 because how do you tell millions and millions and millions and millions of people that they're getting hit with really horrible nuclear radiation well i realized it and started stopped eating dairy and and i wasn't really eating much meat anyway and uh stopped uh, buying any food that wasn't grown in a hoop house and then i Three months later, just took off and uh, came came here. Well, came to Ann Arbor, but I couldn't afford to live there, so I moved to Ipsy. As, as what happens to most people, of course, moved into Beale Properties. Beale Properties. Yep. They've always got stuff available. Always available. Always something you can always rent from Beale. Well, then the palace might be up for rent soon, too, I heard. Oh, it could, yes. Eventually, I'll move out of here. My landlord's selling the house, so who knows oh, what will happen. So, you be on the lookout, people. Okay, so why Ann Arbor? Because I've, I've heard some things about Ann Arbor being a chakra of the country. I don't know if you've really? heard that. No. I don't know if you know anything about that. So what? that's not why you picked Ann Arbor. <laughs> no, I graduated from U of M a long time ago. My mom was born at U of M Ann Arbor. That's University of Michigan, which is in Ann Arbor. Um, so I just came back. I came back with a friend of mine was there still. So he, he was really concerned about all the foliage and the nuclear... Holocaust happening on the Pacific Northwest Coast and Japan and Alaska and Hawaii. He was really concerned. So we came back here. What was the year again? 2011. 2011, yeah. yeah it's, okay. a, it's an extinction-level event, Fukushima, but this is about Ipsy, not Fukushima. <laughs> I do have a very good Geiger counter, though, and I do test regularly here, and it doesn't seem to be over 50, but of course I'm only calibrated with cesium-137. There could be all other kinds of other isotopes, and I don't have a gamma spectrometer. Well, I don't know what any of that <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It sounds very informational and like stuff that we need to be aware of. Yes, so that's very why I really much so. enjoyed meeting you in Ipsy. Is you do have so much information to share and your wealth of knowledge, and I think that the people of Ypsilanti are a unique community, or I know that there's many other communities out there. This is the first one that I've lived in that helps see, show the reason why it's important that people support people, like, on a neighbor-to-neighbor level. Mm-hmm. Like, people here are mm-hmm. so giving. Like, they trade food. They trade clothes. You're the one that introduced me to my first ever clothing swap. <laughs> I mean, it's just really awesome. So what do you think is going on in Ipsy that makes the dynamic so cool? Well, I think the beacons of the copper top towers and the way the landscape is, and if you ever met Thaddeus, he would talk about the geological formulations. It's bringing, like, I don't know about Ann Arbor being a chakra. Like, I've never heard that before, so maybe there is something happening here, and basically Ann Arbor's just becoming very gentrified. So 
a lot of people who don't care about making you know a hundred million dollars a year they just want to live and be happy and and usually do their craft which is usually art music or some kind of performance art or poetry or we have a lot of people who are just really focused on their art and that's what they want to do and they want to they prefer to make just enough to live on their art and just enjoy the community and so i think with all the geological formulations and copper top towers and there's a copper pyramid not far away and I think with all the music going on something special's happening I think whatever's happening here is this you know uh, an important anchor in the web of energy that's gonna well, hopefully save the planet I mean we're past the point of no return for as far as any conventional means no no amount of wind power is gonna save us now with two-thirds of the world not, not having access to clean water yeah, so uh, I think that something's happening here, and the only way to do it's on a cosmic level. So with everybody here in Ipsy conglomerating in one place, and then, I don't know, we're forming some kind of unity of like-minded people who just want peace and happiness, and then we send beacons out because a lot of our community is young, and they want to travel, and they want to see the world, and I can assure you this is the best place. You don't need to go anywhere else, Okay. You're going to find, woo, I'm glad to be back in Ipsy when you get back. <laughs> anyway, I think they they go out traveling like you're about to be a beacon going over to the uh, these other countries where they don't have clean water and it's a cesspool of hell. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so positive. I mean, I just, I'm not trying to be negative, no, but it's, it's scary. reality going on.
situation. On. I mean, that's really why I felt called to do this mission is to go see what is really happening. What does it look like? Boots on the ground, and then you know potentially prepare in communities like this for it to need to have that type of infrastructure already laid before the population increases. And then also the climate issue is huge, and I don't know enough about that, and I figured what better way to learn than, like, seeing it in person. I was talking to a a house-sitting-slash-gardening client today, and he was telling me that there's really not a whole lot of problems in the world. There are, like, three basic problems. I mean, there's a lot of problems, but they fall into three big, broad categories. It's climate, then it's the lack of clean water, and lack of water in general, especially like what's happening in California. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he said those two big things are what we have to address first before anything else. So those are huge. The climate yeah. thing, he's you know saying, if we continue to pollute the air at the rate that we are, it's just going to keep going up and up and up and up. And then if we focus on conserving our efforts and and really not standing behind pollution at all, like doing whatever we can to stop the pollution rate, it would it would still continue to climb, but it would eventually level off. But, I mean, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. I mean, Fukushima, like you're talking about. So. I'm so happy <laughs> that we have you here, and you're going out as a beacon of Ipsy, and I hope you come back here, because you're amazing, and I so admire what you're about to go do. Like, I just, of course, I worry about your health. I want you to stay really healthy the whole time, because <laughs> you're one of our beacons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, I mean, basically, I mean, there's no way for our planet to support 7 billion people. We are a cancer to the planet because we have overpopulated and we're shitting and pissing in every waterway. No other creature dumps their partially treated uh, sewage waste into all their waterways like we do every single Water treatment plant has a permit to dump sewage into the nearest river, like the Huron. Um, And they just had an accidental release of 3,000 gallons of partially treated sewage. But, uh, yeah, the water's terrible. But, I mean, it's... We'll, we'll never it'll never be okay with 7 billion people we have to decrease the population and I'm going to sound like the Illuminati <laughs> and the Georgia Guidestones and I'm going to say let's go down to 500 million because we still have to have enough people to man all the holes that we have popped in the planet just you know take the Gulf of Mexico alone right near Florida down there in the Gulf Coast uh, it has 25,000 abandoned oil wells and 5,000 active oil wells. And that's the Gulf of Mexico alone. One of those suckers pops. And, I mean, look look what happened with the BP oil spill. When the BP oil spill in 2010 happened, I mean, it, that was the worst ecological disaster because not only did who knows how many billions of gallons of oil seeped in, but then they put twice as much Corexit in there saying, oh, it's going to be okay, and that's a really toxic chemical. And then Fukushima came along a year later, and, well, we're fucked. <laughs> I I still feel like there's something that we can do, and if at least cosmically, yes, yeah. If it, if if at least we Not can physically. band together and and stop fighting over trivial matters and look at the, the bigger picture, and you know, we talk about sense gratification a lot, and that's one of the things that has come to such a high level of awareness for me lately is making sure that everything that I am doing even though enjoying is still a big part of living and enjoying life and being a a good happy person is the goal I feel like sometimes you get a little bit too into the giving yourself excuses to eat crappy food because I'm going to have a cheat night or whatever and like that kind of stuff and it's like is it really 
a reward to eat food that has toxic chemicals in it, like oh. bags of Cheetos. <laughs> the more you get away from the toxic chemicals, the more you can feel, like, the effects. Like, I didn't know that stuff like that actually affected me for decades of my life until I started having health problems and I uh, got guided towards foods that didn't contain life-killing chemicals. And lo and behold, I found out I must be allergic to life-killing chemicals. Who would have thunk? <laughs> And uh, the more I don't eat food that is packaged in plastic, especially moist, food that's been sprayed during the growing process, i.e. food that's not organic, and then, of course, food that is genetically modified, which is modified so that it makes its own pesticide. So if it's killing all the little tiny bugs, how long before it kills us? Hmm. I'm thought of... Yeah, it's freaky, and when you get away from it, then you can tell when you eat it once, you go, oh, dang. Like, you get symptoms, like your digestion gets slower, you get more moody, and one of the biggest and scariest symptoms is you think that the food's not really affecting you. It's not a very big deal. It's sort of like, I don't know, it puts us in more of a haze, I guess. And that's why I really work hard to eat 99.9% truly organic food. And I struggle in the winter times here because I get some of my produce from who knows where else. And who knows, right now on organic farms, they're putting factory farm waste as fertilizer. Like, they're allowed to put nasty, like, horrible slaughterhouse farm waste on the big organic farms. Like, organic's getting diluted and diluted and diluted. So I work hard... How hard it's very it's almost impossible to truly eat truly organic. Although I've become friends with a lot of local farmers who are planning on doing year round growing and hoop houses and greenhouses and hopefully soon we'll have see Ipsy has an incredible uh, food economy, a local food economy. Our mayor is Amanda Edmonds and she's the CEO of Growing Hope. Uh, she started eight years ago. It's a nonprofit. It's a it's an urban farm, and they run the farmers markets, and they uh, they try to get everyone in the community having uh, like uh, garden boxes and growing their own food, and they try to help um, disadvantaged communities have better access to real healthy food that was grown locally, not crap that's been sitting in a can for six years or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So our mayor is extremely focused on the food economy. We have incredible farmer's markets. We have an incredible uh, food co-op, the Ypsilanti Food Co-op. Corinne has just done an amazing job for 30, 40 years. We just had our 40th uh, birthday. I was there that yeah, day. It's yeah. Incr- yeah, we all dressed up in uh, 70s attire. It was very fun. Um, yeah, and so we've got an incredible uh, food economy. Plus, there's the local honey project, um, which we've got Ipsy Melissa, and, uh, and Melissa is someone who tends to bees. So we've got, and we've got other people. We've got a great community of people who are um, really focused on local beehives because if if the bees die, so do we because they pollinate all our foods. No bees, no food. No farms, no food. So we've got an incredible group of people going door to door asking people to stop spraying the chemicals that are killing the bees and everything else. But at least the studies are in on the bees so we can actually say science has proved life-killing chemicals kills lives. So we've got people going door to door having asking people to stop spraying. We've got Ooh, a very healthy, healthy community here. And we've got new farms popping up, like Pollywog Farm. It's incredible. 
Yeah. What's happening here? But don't tell very many people because we don't want to have, we don't want to grow past however many people are here. Everyone needs to, like, have small communities, you know what I mean? Like, every every community's like, let's grow! And then they grow to, like, 8 million people and then there's fucking rats crawling through the sewers and, like, snakes coming out of the toilets and, like, nasty Legionnaires disease living in the buildings in New York City. Did you hear about this recent no. outbreak of Legionnaires? It's the cooling system in the buildings that are getting infected and it just sprays it into your apartment. (laughs) Yeah, there's 100 people, 100 cases and a bunch of people dying in New York City and they're having to, they've had to shut down the cooling system. It's a huge, type in Legionnaires, it just had this outbreak. Oh, it's gross. I mean, we're nasty. We can't congregate like that and have all our food shipped in. We got all these people living in $100,000, you know, a month apartments, you know, at the top of penthouses and they, you know, how are they helping grow the food? Yeah. Well, I hope to find a lot of other communities that are also doing growing projects like what's happening around here. Because oh, I agree, yeah. it's, it starts on a micro level. I mean, there's like, you have to pan out to think about the scale. But really, it drills down to like literally neighbors helping neighbors, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the clothing swaps. I want to talk about that oh, because yeah. you brought that idea to Ypsilanti, right? That's what everybody's been telling me. Yeah. By the way, there's Ypsilanti's in Ypsilanti. And there's, so there's several that kind of are, are the. I guess the carriers of the message around town, <laughs> like what's going on. So K Ray is definitely one, but Paige is the one I think that told me that you were the one that started clothing shops, or Carissa, one of those. Okay, um, they're both wonderful active participants too, and have helped a lot here. Yeah, um, uh, let's see, it was two thousand. What was it? Two thousand five. I'm trying to think. In in Portland, Oregon, when I was living there. Um, well, I moved there in 2001, so for the first couple of years, I had a couple different friends in my building that were my size, so we just swapped clothes all the time. We really shared them, you know, like, let's clean out your closet today, you take it. Um, and then they moved out of town, so it was like 2000, yeah, like five. Yeah, it was 2005, I think. Oh, could have been the fall of 2004. Um, I posted an ad on Craigslist and said, is there any other ladies size zero to five that want to swap some clothes? And I got a bunch of responses, and I had the first swap at my house, and two people showed up, and we had a blast. I got the most amazing brand-new wool sweaters from someone who just brought back from Japan, some incredible outdoor gear from this really cool chick who was a kayaker that showed up. Well, it was on. We started having them in homes for the first year. We got up to 10 people would come to some of them, and I had a little email list, so I would email out every month, who wants to come to this clothing swap? Well, finally, we kind of outgrew the homes because it was getting to be 15 people, and that's hard to fit 15 people in a whole bunch of clothes in the living room. And this is all free, by the way. The mission of the swap is always free. So then my co-op, People's Food Co-op in southeast uh, Portland, Oregon, they uh, had a community room, and I filled out a little form, and they let us use it for free, and it was this huge community room. So over the next several years, we blossomed to where I had a 1,000 people on the size 0 to sw- 5 swap list, and every month about 70 people would come and swap the most incredible clothes, like $400 dresses with tags on them and, like, everything. It was really amazing, but other people came to my swaps, and... Uh, Wanted to start swaps of another size, like this one lady. She was more like a size six, seven, but her daughter was like a four, so they came to my swap and got stuff. But then she started a size six to 12, and then someone came to hers that was more like a 12, 14, and she started like a 14 to 20 swap. And then someone came over to one of those, but she lived in kind of on the other side of town, sort of like in another suburb. So she started an all sizes one over at the community center over there. Well, then, um, gosh, it just started branching out. Someone decided, well, we got to swap these kids 
clothes because they're growing out so fast. This lady had twins, so she really needed to swap some clothes out. So she started a kids swap. Well, then it was on. Then the downtown Portland library started asking us to do a clothing swap at the main library during the Keep Portland Weird Festival. <laughs> and we got on every newspaper, the Oregonian, like the Tribune. We got on every news show we got everywhere because it was all free and the mission of the swap was free well we were swapping all over the place we had swaps sprouting up over in sandy which is towards mount hood at the library there popping up everywhere it was absolutely incredible and of course fukushima happened so i was a refugee and so i fled uh to michigan and i just missed having the free clothes all the time so uh, we got it. We, we've been looking for the right location for an indoor swap, which we'll still need this winter. But right now, it's happening every Saturday at our farmers market because uh, the market manager and the uh, like assistant manager they're really into swapping too. So we just put out a couple tables. It never rains on Saturday. We put out a couple tables tables in Depot Town, and everyone brings clothes. So we've got piles of free clothes uh, every Saturday at our farmers market for free. It's more like a share than a swap because you don't have to bring stuff to take it, and you don't have to. Like, you know, you can you can just take as much as you want, and you can just bring. Some people like to just bring because they're, like, cleaning out or moving or whatever. So they just bring tons of stuff and don't want anything. Yeah, the swap was really fun at Michelle's house that I went yeah. to. I brought it some stuff that I brought with me from Michigan, most of which got, you took. Dude, yeah. those, those one pants with, like, the tie-dye, like, <laughs> swirl ones. You know which one <laughs> I'm talking about? costume pants yeah. when I was 15. Yeah. Dude, those are so popular around town. I got this chick wants them every time I see her. She's like, can I have those pants? I'm like, no. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, they're so easy. You know, everybody just sits in a circle and grabs one. I don't know why I never thought to do that with friends. You know, we always try to give each other our clothes or whatever, and... Just that the way that it was a, a organized in a swap format. It was mm-hmm. fun. Everybody gets together. Really something cool about, like, bringing neighbors together that may not, maybe not know each other. Like, you just get a lot more comfortable over clothes or, like, food yeah, or whatever. Right. You know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, there's enough clothes on the planet right now. We could probably completely stop manufacturing and still have enough clothes for everyone for, like, years and years. You know what I mean? There's just so many clothes. And if we can all come together and have more of a resource-based economy... Where we share what we, you know, don't want and, and someone else is going to give us what we do. Like, you traded me binoculars. I gave you a, it wasn't even a trade. You just gave them to me. And I had this really neat little sacred geometry set thing. And you were looking for more info on sacred geometry. And I was, it just works out, you know. That's what we should be doing. Yeah. It's gifting and then receiving gifts from other people. You know, mm-hmm. it always makes you feel good, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both sides. Okay, so what would be one word or phrase that we could use to describe Ypsilanti? I don't know how special comes to mind. It is it's just special <laughs> because you're allowed to dress in Halloween costumes every day of the week and year here. You can go out however you want. And the thing is, is when you go out, you know if you live here and you're part of Ipsy, you're going to run into like 100 people you know just on your walk to the store to get you know, eye drops and you can't see or whatever's going on. We're all out there and we're going to run into each other. So it's okay whatever state you're in. If you can't deal with talking to anybody, just, you know, smile and say I love you because we all love you. And we hug here. It's very special. I mm-hmm. think special. It's, it, you can do anything you want here, you know. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's messed up, too. There's a lot of crime. There's some problems. There's, we've been oppressing certain peoples for so long. I don't blame them for ripping and robbing. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd be doing anything different. I mean, we, we really, you know, racism is so alive and well all over this planet. It's disgusting, and it makes me sick. 
black yeah. lives really fucking matter. I agree with you. I, I think that special is a really good word for it. I'm going to go with that, too, because mm-hmm. it's... I thought that I was going to be coming to Ipsy and would be going to Ann Arbor, like, once a week to do something fun. and then You I mean ass like, Arbor? <laughs> Aww. I've only gone to Ann Arbor for acro yoga and maybe, like, one or two other things. I really don't see a need to go out of Ipsy that much. I've only been here for four months, but it's like, I can get everything I need here. The people, you know, like you're saying, just wander outside. I mean, Krista is a huge part of the reason why I felt comfortable coming to this lane mm-hmm. because she's so welcoming and she knows mm-hmm. me you. She's our welcome So I had like wagon. the two people that I knew coming <laughs> from last October until when I moved in April. Mm-hmm. Since then, I don't even know how many people You know I've everybody. <laughs> Every time I'm walking down the street, people are like, oh my God, like everyone I know, like they seem to know you just as good and you've only been here four months. You are amazing. You I couldn't believe it. came to the right it. place. I'm like, okay, so I thought I was going to be in a room reading about travel, like planning, <laughs> all these things. I mean, to be real honest with you, I've been living life because what's better than really having relationships with mm-hmm. people and getting to know people that are welcoming and are that are tapped into their craft like you were talking about people mm-hmm. are so passionate about what it is that <laughs> they are inter- artistically inclined towards yes. and the art is so many different things this, the know, art here so. and the music here I mean it's so good it is unbelievable I, I mean all of my friends make beautiful art and beautiful music or beautiful food my friends are all like farmers <laughs> artists and musicians uh, in, yeah. in every form it's just it's stunning. Like, I'll, I'll know someone for months and months, and then I find out they are an incredible singer, and I didn't even know, and I'll walk in somewhere, and they're singing, and I'm like, I didn't know. Yeah. There's people seemed really tuned in to what it is that is their inner talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like We're bringing it out in each other, too, like, because, you know, everyone just blossoms more and more here when they're here with any of those, because we're just around it, and everybody knows that we're all just supporting each other and just growing, you know, like like Jessie just had her first, um, she played solo for the first time last night under the bridge, and she was great, and it was neat, because just seeing some of my friends just start, like Paige, when Paige, she's got like the most amazing voice, she's incredible, I remember when she just started singing, it was, she's so talented, like everyone's so talented, and they... They, they get more confident here because we just, you know, we, we, I don't know, everybody makes me dance, and everyone makes everyone happy, so. I have danced more here than I have, like, in years, you know, mm-hmm. you go to a club and you're like, oh, I can't really dance, you know, you kind of move around or whatever. Here, it's just like, go nuts with it, and the animal costume party that was Colin's, well, whose birthday was, that was T.S.'s birthday. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was such a fun time, just, like, getting to go for no real reason, dressed as a cat somewhere. I don't know, it's just not something that I did. At, uh, so before, many so. wonderful things. Maybe it's here. all the hugging. I think it's the hugging, because I really like all the hugging here. I heard a study uh, recently, I heard about a study that said that um, humans are creatures that need touch from other creatures, and... Uh, we need a certain amount just for survival, and it said that four hugs a day are needed just for survival of, you know, I don't know, exact, just existence, and then eight hugs a day um, just for maintenance to be okay, and then 12 hugs a day you actually start getting health benefits from it, and and I, I can easily go out on a night where there's a good event and get 50 to 100 hugs. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, like art night yeah. or something, or like oh, art night. I, I love know. the Brian. That's something that we need to give a shout out really quick. Brian Little, who puts out all of these art supplies in his front yard every week or every other week, 
I mean, tons of canvases, every type of like medium. I feel like you can imagine <laughs> some pants painted there, skateboards, longboards, use other musical instruments. Like <laughs> I saw like a saxophone being painted at one point. I don't even know. So it's just really cool, and he's totally does it for free. Yeah, and orders pizza. Yes. <laughs> Brian's amazing for uh, Ipsy Underground. He was our very first artist of the month um, because Brian does the chalk art all over town. And Brian hasn't even, and it's amazing chalk art if you're walking down the sidewalks to look at it. You've seen it, I'm Yeah, sure. he told me his secret. He said he, he grinds up all of the chalk and then he uses his fingers to rub mm. it in. And that's why it's so dark and like completely coats. Oh, I didn't know that. he turns it into a powder before he uses it. Go yeah, Brian. Well, do you, his story is incredible. Uh, he was... He'd never done anything artistic or anything until just a few years ago. Didn't even know he had any artistic talent. One night, him and Buddy were in the checkout line of the grocery store buying some beer, and uh, there was some chalk, sidewalk chalk, in like the checkout line. You know, those little, all those random little things they want you to buy there at the end. And they thought it'd be kind of fun to like draw on the sidewalks while they were getting drunk. So they bought some, and he found out he was an amazing artist. Oh, <laughs> and he's been doing it ever since. And ever he just fits into the community. So well, he's amazing over there in his place called Washington. Washington, yeah. I love all the named houses here. So there's yeah. Wonderland, the Golden Cat. What are some of the others? Oh, well, there's the Ipsy Underground House, which is also known as the Fairy Garden. Um, there's the Peach Pit um, over at Cat's House. That one um, I know is Wonderland. Oh, well, it, Wonderland she is the name of the daycare. Oh, okay. Peach Pit is the house, is the show house, and then the daycare. But she used to live in the rabbit hole, and there used to be the Pleasure Dome over there, but that shut down. Well, there's the barn. Um, Canada House is a huge venue, of course, the palace. Um, and, of course, uh, the Bronco House, they just moved out, so that was really sad. But there's the Funny Farm, and there's, oh, my God, there's uh, the uh, Playboy Mansion. There's, uh, I mean, gosh, so many different house names. Yeah, we could just, it's incredible. There's a Ipsa Rustica. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. And they change every year. There was, you know, the Pancake House, the House of Mole. Who can forget the House of Mole? Ben Miller's place for uh, Totally Awesome Fest. <laughs> totally Awesome Fest is where it all started to really spark here as far as meeting people. Yes. Yeah, and that's so many people at Totally Awesome Fest. So that was a really good time. And see, the thing is, is and for the first few years in Ipsy, getting free clothes wasn't that hard because Ben Miller does a huge clothing he curates a clothing giveaway every year at totally awesome fest and it is phenomenal he stores clothing all year long and goes through it and picks out the coolest stuff and gives the rest of it like to our thrift store which is amazing um he has incredible clothes at every uh totally awesome fest it's usually at least three days last year it was 11 days Whoa. it was something or 10 days because it was the 10th anniversary but uh, and this past year was fifty two hours straight. It was insanity. But there's just free, so much free clothes there. It's incredible. Yeah, I saw all those free clothes. But I'm starting to sweat, and I want to ride my yeah, bike. I think we need to <laughs> end it at that. You are so awesome, Amy. Thank you for. I can't wait till you come back from your trip, and I can't yeah. wait to hear about your trip. Yeah, Davis. that sounds good. I'm gonna come back because my dogs are here and my cat flew. All, right. all right, I'm gonna stop it now. testing the gear out I wanted to talk about the lessons that I learned or I have learned so far longboarding so you know those kind of surfboard looking things on wheels bigger than a skateboard smaller than a surfboard see people 
rolling around on them, you're kind of like, eh, that looks fun. I'm going to tell you right now, they are super fun. I dig it. I dig it a lot. And I will say that the key thing that longboarding continues to remind me of is while speed does matter, for the fun factor, I'm not going to lie, it's really fun to go fast, balance matters more. So no matter how fast you're trying to go, if you're not balanced, you're going to fall. But if you're balanced and you're leaning into it, just like the great Cheryl Sandberg says, you're going to have a much happier experience. And falls are going to happen. It's not, you know, something you can't expect. Oh, I'm not going to fall. I'm just going to keep my balance point. Well, you're going to be going really slow because you're going to lose your balance sometimes. <laughs> Unless you're going at a snail pace. What's the fun in that? Might as well be walking. But the falls, you know, you got to learn to roll into them. It's like roll with the punches. you got to roll with the falls. And then you got to get back up and get on the longboard. That's key. Get back up and get on the longboard. Just like they say with the horse. Do not think, ah, I just fell on that hill. I gotta take a break. Well, I mean, unless you're like injured to the point where you need to take a break, then yes. But if you're, because you're afraid, from what I've discovered, if you don't get back on that longboard, that fear will compound. And it may be days before you get back on that longboard. And when you do, you've got this unnecessary, irrational sense of panic in your chest. Ah, I don't want to fall again. But at the end of the day, you got yourself worked up about really not anything that you needed to be that concerned with. So, that is really important. Make sure that you get back on the board. Mention the lean-in philosophy. I'm going to throw that out there one more time. Super key. Lean into it. If you want to turn, you got to go around curves. Move down a hill, trying to pick up speed. All of it. Lean into it. And then finally, pain is temporary. So longboarding might not be for everyone. It might not be the way that you want to be reminded that pain is temporary. For me, it's exactly what I've needed this summer. It's helped me find grounding. It's given me a way to get around town. And I'm really, really enjoying that. And although there have been some falls, and there have been a few that have hurt really bad, I haven't sustained any injuries that made me feel like it's not something that I need to be doing. And it's reminded me of these important lessons. Shout out to Nicole P. and Ipsy Love Neighborhood Theater Company for sharing some of the lovely tunes heard in this episode at their show at the Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti, Michigan in August of 2015.